This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. As I was uh, praying and asking God what to talk about this week, you know, there's uh, just something, I guess, it has been stirring in my heart for months, but and I'm not going to be, be able to go into full detail on all of it, but I know this much, that especially over the past years, uh, even longer than that, but especially over the past year, there's a lot of people with a lot of questions. And there's a lot of people wondering, you know, well, uh, I've been praying for this. Why didn't it happen? I've been asking for this. Why didn't it happen yet? And a lot of times we have the answer to that. A whole lot. And then there are some cases where I don't have the answer to why your prayer didn't get answered. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, God had to tell Moses, there are some things that are there. The secret things belong to the Lord, and you won't have an answer on that until you get to heaven. And there's some things that I've had to just accept that for. Like, I don't get that one, but you know what? I'm okay. I will receive my answer when I get to heaven someday. I may not ever get the answer to it on earth, and I'm okay with that. But I will say that a whole lot of the time, when somebody's asking, well, you know, I prayed for this, why didn't this happen? I've been praying for this, and I'm not getting answers yet. A lot of the time, we can explain that <laughs> and give answers. And uh, so the title of the message tonight is this, Blockades to Answered Prayer. And uh, there are certain things the Scripture specifically tells us will block our prayers from getting answered. Now, I'm not going to be able to say every single thing the scripture says tonight about that, but I am going to pull out a few of those things. And uh, and so a lot of times if I am standing in faith for something, praying for something, and I'm not getting an answer, typically in my life I can pinpoint where the blockage is coming from. And if I don't have too much pride, I can say, God, I know that I'm, I'm blocking this prayer from getting answered. Now, there's some people that, you know, and all of us have been in that spot, but you don't realize how dangerous pride is to you. You know, pride, it, it, it comes before the fall. And there's some people that they are dead wrong on something and they are blocking their own prayers from getting answered. And the word will specifically tell them that, but they're too prideful to even admit it between them and God. You know, it's not even between, you know, well, I don't, I don't want, you know, the rest of the church to know this. I mean, sometimes it's only you and God would know, but your own pride still will not lay down. You can't shoot your own pride enough to say, you know what? I messed up in this spot. I fouled this thing up, and that's why this prayer isn't getting answered. Because it's easier to blame somebody else, and it's and and some I wouldn't recommend this, but some people find it easier to just blame God. You know, well, if He's so good, then why'd this happen? Well, we've got answers to a lot of things. I was watching the news in March, and this crazy thing happened. There's this major canal between the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea over there uh, in the Middle East, in Egypt, and and this massive ship got wedged sideways. I think it's called the Suarez Canal. This ship is one of the biggest ships in the entire world. It's over, I think, 1,300 feet long, and it weighs over 200,000 tons. And somebody did something wrong, and they wedged this ship in between this canal, and it, no ships, this is one of the busiest uh, shipping passages in the entire world, and for a full seven days, not a single ship could get through there, because they were all blocked off by this massive ship. And the delay, it was so expensive, billions of billions, it cost, uh, the total cost to the companies and the, and the people shipping things was over $6.7 million per minute for an entire week is how much that this blunder cost them. And so this, and it, it took them a while. They had to come up with this plan to, to dig part of the land out and, and, and widen it right there and then get all these tugboats to come. It was a massive undertaking and you know some people think that there was more to it that meets the eye that maybe there was you know a sinister plot by some, you know whatever but the thing is this is as much as there was goods and and items and shipments already paid for that were trying to get to those that it was promised to there was something blocking the goods from getting there now sometimes in our prayer life and in our christian life God has shipped the goods. He, Jesus paid it all, and the goods have been shipped, and they're on their way, but there may be something blocking 
the passageway between the shipper and the recipient, and you've got to figure out what's blocking it. I mean, there was Amazon orders on there. and I mean, my gosh, those people were delivered a two-day delivery. Took some of them eight days. I said it. Eight days. And they are prime members. They paid their dues, all right? And so, for us, you may be like, man, I prayed for that two days ago. Here we are, day eight. What is going on? Well, you may want to just... Take a look and find out where the blockage is. Because I've learned this much. It's not God messing up somewhere because he's perfect. All right. And so it's either on your end or there's an attack from the enemy. Because one time in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed for something and he's like, God, I what's going on? And, and the Lord said, man, as soon as you prayed, I dispatched some angels. to, And, and then they have been in a spiritual warfare for like 40 days fighting to get to you and so yeah there's a real enemy yeah there's devils there's demons and all that stuff we cast them out i don't put up with demons i will straight cast them out in the name of jesus and i'm not joking about that i'm very serious about that but what i'm saying is this if you're not getting answers you're gonna have to find out is this an attack from the devil or am i blocking the answers somewhere from getting there and so i challenge you that if you look hard we can probably find some answers to what's going on in your life. Amen. And so I'm just going to you know, put this verse on this. I'm going to there's some verses and I write them down because I'm um, I'm going to, you know, I try to not go too long. But first John 5, 14 and 15, first John 5, 14 and 15 in the NLT, it says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Well, I know it says that, but it doesn't mean that. Why wouldn't it mean that? Why would God say something he doesn't mean? It says right there, if we ask for anything that pleases him, we know he hears us. And we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So if I'm asking for something that is in line with God's will, listen, he wants to get it to me. He hears my prayers. He wants to get it to me and he will give me what I ask for if it's in line with his word and with his will. Yeah, but I wouldn't go saying that, Pastor Dave. I will say that all day long, all day long, because God has never failed me. He has always come through every single time. Sometimes it's taken longer than others, but if I look at it real close, I can usually find out why. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into the Word of God tonight, and I believe we'll get some answers for you if you came with some questions. Amen? I like We like to answer questions. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we have a church to gather together in, Lord. And you said where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there in the midst of them. And so, Lord, you are here right in the midst of us tonight. And you want to speak to us. You want to sharpen us up. You want to change us. Lord, maybe you want to correct us. Maybe you want to bring some correction to us. Whatever the case is, God, we pray that you have your way tonight. And we thank you that we will never be the same in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? So we're going to look at three things tonight that we'll call prayer blockers or prayer blockades. And again, if any of these hit you wrong or uh, rub you the wrong way, good, good. We're doing our job. And then second of all, don't take offense, all right? If God deals with you, that's between you and God. I don't write sermons with anybody in mind. Always remember that. All right. Number one, prayer blockers, number one is undealt with sin. Undealt with sin. Now... We know this much. First John 1 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's one thing if you had a sin going on in your life, but you confessed it to the Lord, you actually stopped doing it. Okay, then you're cleansed of all unrighteousness. He is faithful. He is just to forgive us of all sins. But notice that we said undealt with sin. What we mentioned a minute ago is you dealt with that sin. I'm talking about undealt with sin. It will stop your prayers from getting answered. Let's look here at Psalm 66 and verse 18. Psalm 66 and verse 18. I'm going to read this one in the King James tonight. Psalm 66 and verse 18. Who's ready to have a good time? That was a shotgun effect. Pow, 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 pow. Psalm 66 and verse 18, I'm going to read this in the King James, Psalm 66 
and verse 18. And so we're talking about prayer blockers. It says here, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, if I'm keeping sin in my heart, if I am regarding it, if I am not dealing with the sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Whoa. Think about that. There's some people you're you're praying and it's like, man, I, I don't know what's going on. It's like my prayers are hitting the roof. They aren't going anywhere. Well, as a Christian, as a mature Christian, okay, now there's moments in time where you're, you know, we I work with, we work with a lot of brand new Christians, and there's a lot of stuff they just flat out don't know. And, you know, the Lord's not holding them accountable for what they don't know just yet. But those of us that we know better than some things, and if we are holding on to that, regarding that iniquity, not dealing with that sin in our hearts, God's not hearing that prayer. You know, my dad did a, this morning, he, he brought up a really good point, and that was in the book of Acts, uh, there was this priest named Sceva, and he had these seven sons. And so, you know, this is a story known as the seven sons of Sceva. And Paul was going around casting the devil out of people. The, all the Christians were. It wasn't just the preachers doing this stuff. And so these seven sons of Sceva, we get the uh, the vibe that they were carnal, that they kind of talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk, so to speak. That's kind of the impression that we get from these guys. And so there's a, a possessed guy that comes along, and they're like, okay, hey, we got this. And so they go out there, and they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out of this man. And what happened? It says that the devil came out of that possessed guy and beat them until they were naked and sent them running with the, you know, their tail tucked between their legs. I'm like... Wow, that sounds scary. But what did the demon say? He said, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. Who are you? So apparently their lives, their behavior, their Christianhood was in such a immature, carnal, pathetic state that he's like, I don't even know who, you, I, don't, who I don't even know who you guys are. I'm going to beat you up. And he did. That's a sad place to be in where they couldn't even they couldn't even cast him out. They didn't even say in the name of Jesus, whom I believe in. They couldn't even go at it from that angle. They had to say in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And so that tells us. And my dad said, I loved how he said this, that there are some Christians that are so carnal, so wrapped up in not really living godly, and then they want to go use the name of Jesus like it's their good luck charm. Like they're out all week, man, I'm going to watch these movies that just say this, this, and this. I'm going to listen to this music that, you know, talks about doing bad things to women. Come on, some of these songs that, good Lord, some of, and I'm, I'm not, hey, and I'm okay with that. I'll be the old man right now, and I'm fine with that. Some of this music that these and maybe adults are listening to is insanely bad. And don't think you're going to listen to that junk and then, in the name of Jesus, I believe, because no, it ain't going to happen for you. The devil's going to say, I, I know him and I know Jesus. Who the heck are you? You're going to get yourself beat up. You can't, like they said, you can't bat like a sheep, but live like a pig and expect the power of God to operate in your life. And that's what those boys were doing. And that's what this verse is talking about right here. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's something to think about right there. Well, man, I don't, God never gives nothing for me. His word says this right here, but it didn't happen for me. And I don't even know why. Really? You don't know why? Upon further examination, you can probably find out why. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. We're going to get to the good stuff. We'll make you feel good somewhere tonight. But we've got to just rough you up a little bit for a few minutes, okay? Isaiah 59 and verse 2. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. And everything that we're talking about is good news because, listen, if our prayers aren't getting answered because of some undealt with sin... Praise God, at least now we know. Now we can change it. We can deal with that sin and start getting our prayers heard. Start getting some answers to prayer. And I love seeing answers to prayer. I love it. I love it. And I, man, I, we've seen so many incredible answers to prayer. Just over, over the last 12 months, I've seen 
miraculous healings. I've seen several people healed of cancer. I've seen, you know, my own son over there receive a pretty big healing a couple weeks ago. I mean, I've cast the devil out of somebody uh, last summer. It's been an awesome year to see the works of God. Amen? But we're not going to see these things if we're not doing it God's way, all right? So Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Whoa! I mean, seriously, look at that. It says, Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Well, that may sound like bad news, but hey, this is good news because we can repent. We can confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this isn't a downer. This is good news tonight, because if we've needed some correction, here it is. If we've got something going on, and maybe God's been nudging you and like, you know it's time to let go of that. You know better than that. You need to start acting acting your rage. You've been saved now for ten years. You need to act your age. Listen, it's time that we take some of this to heart, and we... Deal with it. So the goal in in discussing this isn't to make anybody feel condemned or guilty. The goal is to start removing blockers out of the way so we can get our prayers answered. Who's ready to start saying some answers to prayer? I'm ready. I want to see this stuff. All right. And so one problem that we have amongst our current generation is people changing the standards and the definition of sin. Have you noticed that we change the definitions of words? They meant one thing for hundreds of years, and now you say that word, and they're like, oh, you're a hater. What? Why am I a hater? You said that word, but that's what that's called. Not anymore. Now that means this. That used to mean this, but now it means this. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean... They're cha- we change the definitions of words, and really, you don't want to start playing with a lot of that, especially Bible words. Especially trying to change the word of God, that's a really bad idea. I heard this story about a preacher from Australia. After the service one night, someone came to his office and, and, and said, Dr. Howard, we don't want you talking as openly as you do about guilt and sin, because if our boys and girls hear you discussing that subject, they will more easily become sinners. Call it a mistake if you want to, but don't, don't call it sin anymore. The minister took a small bottle and showed it to the, to the man that was kind of reading him the right act. He said, do you see that label right there on this bottle? It says strychnine. And underneath it, in bold red letters, it says poison. Do you know what you're asking me to do? You're suggesting that I change the label on this poison. Suppose I do, and I paste over the words poison, peppermint oil. Don't you see what might happen? Someone would use it, not knowing the danger involved, and they would die. It's the same way with sin. The milder you make the label, the more dangerous you make the poison. And so, here we are changing labels and like, yeah, I know, but really, does it, does it really mean that? And hath God really said? That's what the stinking devil said in the Garden of Eden. When Eve said, well, God said we can't touch that tree. <laughs> Did God really say that? <laughs> Did he really mean that? And that's what people are doing today. Did God really? You, you really think it means that? Oh, I believe it means that. I know it means that. And we are doing nobody any favors by just changing the label and saying, yeah, I know, but let's call it this now. It wasn't a sin. It was just a little mistake. Man, it was a sin. And not only will it stop your prayers from getting answered, undealt with sin, if we continue in a lifestyle of sin, I'm not saying we sinned one day and made a mistake. Hey, you take that to God, boom, it's over with. But if we continue choosing to live a life of sin, I'm not talking about you did it one time or two times. I'm talking about it's your daily habit. You're, you're just so callous now that it's your everyday thing. That will eventually separate you from God. That's a dangerous spot to be in, we've got to deal with sin. And so we've got a generation of people who aren't getting prayers answered because they're poisoned. God hasn't changed. So if someone's going to change, it's going to have to be me. 
Because he's not going to change. He doesn't have to change. I have to change. And I challenge you to do that same thing with your life. Okay, so blockades of prayer. Number one is undealt with sin. Here we go. I'm just going to go for it. Number two, moods and emotions. Let me take a drink because this is going to take a minute on this one. Your moods and your emotions. Now, this is something else the Lord has been speaking to me about for a while. Um, because this is something that holds more people back than most things I can think of. You are in great faith because you heard a good sermon. And then Monday rolls around. And, well, your mood changed. And so now you're just, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not really vibing, you know what I mean? Listen. You are going nowhere, man. You are destined for destruction if you let your moods and your emotions dictate your faith life. So, man is a three-part being, okay? I'm gonna, some of this for you will be reviewed, some of it for some of you guys that may be new, but... Man is a three-part being. And Genesis 1.26 tells us that we are made in the image of God. God is a three-part being. He's a trinity. He's a holy trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. He made mankind in his image, and we are three-part. Spirit, soul, body. The whole New Testament constantly drives this point home. Spirit, soul, body. Paul said, I pray that your entire spirit, soul, and body would be preserved until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are a three-part being. Now, the core of who you are is your spirit. And the Bible constantly refers to the spirit as the heart. And so in most verses where it says, if you believe in your heart, And say with your mouth, the word heart is referring to your spirit. Because I can't believe with the physical organ inside of my body even any more than I can believe with my thumb. You know, or my toe, or my whatever. Listen, believing with your heart means believing with your spirit. The core and the essence of who you are is your spirit. And if you are a born-again Christian, that should dictate your decisions, your moods, your, your everything. Everything. Your spirit should be in charge. But the sad fact is that for the overwhelming majority of people and Christians, the other two parts of them control and dominate them. Their body and especially their soul. And my, 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 if your soul, and and, and we can break that on even further, your soul being your mind, your will, and your emotions. And somebody that is controlled By the emotions and the moods and the mind is a dangerous person. They don't, they don't, they don't get that much done for the Lord. Because they were feeling it today and they, they're not feeling it today. They've got to have a feeling. When the scripture tells us, whoa, stop that. We walk by faith, not by sight. Sight being your senses, your physical, your, you know, and so if you've got to be in the mood, to believe God that day, if you've got to have somebody shake you up, listen, you're not going to get that many answers to prayer, and you're not, you're not going to be a giant killer. I will tell you that right now. You will not be a giant killer. You will not survive the lion's den. You will not survive the fiery furnace. If you have to have a feeling, and if you have to be in the mood that day, you've got to stick to what, uh, to what your spirit is telling you. Now, if you're not a Christian, your spirit is dead and you're you're just you need to get born again and your spirit to become alive in Christ. But I'm talking to Christians right now. And so let's look at James chapter one, verses five through eight, because I'm very frustrated with seeing moody. Emotional Christians that don't they don't really ever get any, you know, they don't get anywhere. And I'm, I'm tired of seeing that, that that they're up and down in and out. Well, I'm going to I'm sticking with this. And then, well, no, 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 no I'm going to do this. You got to stop that. You've got to be stable. You have to overcome your moods and your emotions. And like Jesus said in Matthew five, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just stick with it. If you said, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for this, and that's what I'm believing for, stick with that. Don't change tomorrow because, you know, you're not feeling it, or I'm in a bad mood, my husband ticked me off. 
You like that? <laughs> I don't know. James 1, verses 5 through 8. Man, I love the book of James. James is, man, he's a, he's a hard hitter. He's not playing around. James 1, verses 5 through 8. And I remind you, everything we're doing tonight, it's not to pick on you. It's to help you be a stable Christian and to get your prayers answered. Because if, if there's anything we need in the end times, in 2021, we need Christians that actually get their prayers answered. We don't need a bunch of people praying and they're so powerless and weak that they can't get any prayers answered. We need strong Christians. So James 1, verses 5 through 8, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Somebody say no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And if you've ever been to the sea, if you've ever been to the ocean, one thing about the waves, they're very unstable, right? They're, they're up and they're down. They're in and they're out. And you can build a beautiful sand castle that's great right now, but an hour from now, it's going to change. The tide's going to come so far in, it's going to demolish that. It's a very bad place to build something that you want to last very long, right? I mean, right up next to the... Because it's unpredictable. It's up and down. It's in and out. It's wishy-washy. It's just flat-out unstable. And as crazy as that is, that's the Christian who asks something from God and believes it and then doubts and changes their mind. You know, and I think of, you know, Jesus even put it this far. He said in the book, he said, anyone who puts their hand to the plow, anyone who commits to the kingdom of God and commits that I'm going to serve you, I'm going to work for you, I'm, I'm just giving it all. Anybody that commits to the kingdom of God and then looks back is not even fit for the kingdom of God. Well, I thought Jesus was nice. He was nice, but man, he was hardcore and he Do not like dealing with commitment issues. He liked for you. If you're going to be a person of faith, be a person of faith. If you're going to commit, commit. But don't be up and down, in and out, and don't look back. He says, if you commit and then look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And then Jesus' younger brother, James, puts it this way, that you are a double-minded man. Let's look at this, verse 7. So that person that 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 asks God and then doubts, verse 7, let not that man suppose he'll receive Anything from the Lord. Anything? Anything. Don't think that you're going to receive anything from the Lord. Well, why is that? He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Double-minded, unstable. But out of that, I pick up this word, minded. What is the mind? The mind is the soul. And so what we're looking at is somebody here that they asked God in faith with the heart, the spirit, you know, in the name of Jesus, I'm believing for this. And I thank you, Lord. It is done. At that point, they've tapped into their spirit. But tomorrow, when they're in a bad mood, they're like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Their mind took over. They're double minded. They are being dominated by the soul and they are unstable. The most unstable people you will ever meet is somebody that is dominated by their mind and their soul because the emotions are, they can be all over the place. Now, do we all deal with emotions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all deal with emotions. I, I, I understand some people it's more of a struggle for than others. But does that mean that you're exempt from taking control of those and dealing with them? No, it just means it's a little bit harder for you. But you still got to do it. You're still responsible for that aspect of your being. Because you see, when Jesus died on the cross, when he shed his blood, and then you received him as Savior, Jesus came in and absolutely washed your spirit clean. Your spirit, your heart is clean, white as snow. It could not be any cleaner because Jesus did his part for your spirit. That's awesome. But that leaves two parts of me. Is Jesus going to slap that Big Mac out of my hand so I won't be fat? Get that out of here. No. 
I'm responsible for pushing away from the table, aren't I? Jesus isn't going to push it away for me. I'm responsible for taking control of my body and making sure it's healthy. Is Jesus going to pop the vitamin into your mouth every morning? No, you've got to do that. And in the same regard, you're also responsible for your soul. Romans 12, 2, I was going to put it, well, I was going to put it up there, but if I'm going to go to a different verse instead that I like better for this instance. But Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your, your mind, your soul. He says, this is, you know, if you go back to your, you know, your English class, what's the understood subject of this sentence? You. You be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He took care of your spirit. You gotta take care of your body and your soul. Well, how do I renew the mind? Well, Ephesians 6 tells us the washing of the water of the word. Your mind, it gets dirty, right? I'm not putting you on the spot, but bad thoughts come to your mind. Mean thoughts, thoughts of anger, thoughts of revenge, bad thoughts come. And you have to wash your mind by the word of God. You're responsible for opening your Bible. You you are responsible for that and washing your mind with the word. You've got to do it. But I want to look here at 2 Corinthians 10. So, Jose, you'll have to flip out of PowerPoint here. 2 Corinthians 10. And I want to look at verses 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Are we helping anybody tonight? We're just trying to have some Christians getting their prayers answered. Have some people that can heal, you know, pray for the sick and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We're trying to see people uh, be able to go out there in the name of Jesus and cast out devils. I mean, I'm, I want to see these things. And so we're going to have to preach on it. 2 Corinthians 10. Verses 4 and 5, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, in the New King James, in the New King James, it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Well, what does that mean? The weapons that we fight our battles with, they're not carnal, they're not physical. In other words, I cannot shoot the devil with a gun. If I could, I would have already done that. But listen... You can't do that because the weapons of our warfare, they're not physical, carnal weapons. They're spiritual weapons. But look at this. Look at the next verse. Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Look at this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We've got... Thoughts that come against us that they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Think about that. Thoughts come to your mind, to your soul, that exalt themselves. They elevate themselves to the level of your knowledge of God and try to talk you out of the word of God. Man, maybe you're believing for a miracle and, you know, Lord, Lord, your word says this. And then thoughts will come to your mind, fired by the enemy. Thoughts will come to your mind and have the audacity the guts, the disrespect to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God in your mind. What's going to happen? Is Jesus going to come and swat those out of the way like Dikembe Mutombo blocking a shot? No. You are going to have to take those thoughts captive yourself and bring them into submission. You're going to have to grab that thought in the name of Jesus and pin it to the ground. And make that thought submit and say, no, I know you're saying this, but the word of God says right here that by Jesus stripes, I am healed. Pin that to the ground and make the devil tap out. But way too many Christians, they let those thoughts exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and talk you out of being a stable Christian. And you are a wreck that gets no prayers answered. As a Christian, as a Christian, you have got to deal with your moods and your emotions. They will wreck your life. Well, yeah, but I was diagnosed with this. I get that. Do you know that Jesus, he can heal mental diagnosis as well as he can heal other diagnosis? I believe that there are mental illnesses and conditions. I believe that depression is real. I get that. I'm not denying that. But I'm also not denying that Jesus heals. 
If he could heal me of leukemia, why couldn't he heal you of depression or, or bipolar or mood swings or being cranky? Why couldn't he heal you of that? He can. The same faith, the same Jesus that died to heal cancer and every other thing, he can heal you of mental and emotional sicknesses. It just takes faith. It takes belief in God. Amen? And so we're talking about blockades to getting prayers answered, undealt with sin. It says right there, because you've regarded iniquity in your heart, God's not hearing those prayers. And another thing is our moods and our emotions being unstable and saying, well, God, you know, you gave me this word, so I'm going to stick with it. And then the devil comes and says, boo. And you say, oh, wait a minute. Well, well, the devil said boo, but I know God said this, but boo, boo was louder. What am I going to do? Listen, cast them down. Take captive every thought that has the audacity. What disrespect. What What if you told your kids to do something and then somebody else came in and was like, I know your dad said this, but do this instead. How disrespectful to come into my house and tell my kids the exact opposite of what I just told them to do. And the devil is so disrespectful and arrogant and such, you know, such a, 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 a crazy individual that he'll come to the children of God and say, I, I know God said this. And listen, the devil knows scripture. He quoted scripture to Jesus, didn't he? He knows scripture. He'll come in and say, yeah, I, I know. I know. I know you're standing on that. But but listen, this over here and really the economy is doing this. And really this over here is happening. And, re- and she said this about you. I know the scripture says that, but she said it. And then she told those guys, too. And now they're saying it. Who cares? You know, people come to me and they're like, you know, somebody said this about you in the church. Do you want to know what they said and who it was? Like, No, I don't care. (laughs) Because Jesus said this, a group of people came to him, the Pharisees, and they were saying stuff to him. And well, you know, your disciples said this. And Jesus said, your approval means nothing to me because you don't have the love of God within you. I don't care what anybody says about my family or my church, if they don't have the love of God in them, I flat out don't care, man. You know, take take your opinion and your thought about all of us and, you know, just go do something else with it, right? So, something else. <laughs> so praise God. But listen, we've got to take these things captive. And that brings me to point number three. What could be hindering our prayers? Number one, undealt with sin. Number two, our moods and our emotions. And this kind of ties in with number two. Number three, mistreatment of others. How we treat other people is probably the main way that blocks our prayers from getting answered. It's how we treat other people. And so um, a verse, I'm going to put this on the screen, write it down. Galatians 5, 6 in the King James, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. How does our faith work? By love. Does, it, does our faith work by praying a whole bunch? By giving a whole bunch of money? No. Our faith works by love. So if you're not loving others, your faith won't work. And when your faith won't work, your prayers won't get answered. It's as simple as that. That's not that complicated. Because our prayers get answered by faith. Well, you know, it takes two things. It takes the power of God and it takes your faith you got to plug your faith into God's power and boom, beautiful, amazing things happen in our life, right? But if our faith won't work because we just don't treat other people the right way, wow, that's an insane thing to think about. Um, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 5, let's flip over there. Matthew 5, we're going to look at verses 23 and 24. So another great verse for you is 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says that God is love. 1 John 4, 8 says that. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and anyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8, but anyone that does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, I mean, if you are treat people bad, you hate people, you're mean to people, you're nasty and rude, and then like, you know what, God? I'm here for a miracle today. No, it doesn't work that way. You gotta treat people right. Your faith works by love. Matthew 5 verse 23. Matthew 5 verses 23 and 24. And again, we have right here the words of Jesus himself. Matthew 5 verses 23 
and 24. I'll flip there myself. It says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So you're at the altar, say you're at the altar praying and you remember, oh wait, this dude over here hates me and I don't really like him either. Well, it says, leave it there. Go and make things right. Now, does that mean, I get it, man. A lot of the time, you're going to go and try to make things right with someone, and they're not going to receive. But at least I did my part, right? I can't force you to receive, but I can force myself to extend it out there. I can't force myself to offer the olive branch. But listen, it says right there, if you are there at the altar, if you are making a sacrifice, if you're talking to God, and you remember that someone's got, there's, there's some Bitterness there, you drop that and go and deal with it. And so most of the time in my life when my prayers are not getting answered, I can track it back to this area right here, my love walk. And so the last thing I want to look at, because I've really been drawn to this lately, is 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And we're going to read verses 4 through 7, and then you can personally judge yourself on how you're doing, and then see if maybe perchance you find something there that would be a hindrance to your prayers getting answered. Sound fair? I think that sounds really fair. So I'm not judging you. The people sitting next to you aren't judging you. You judge yourself. Only God can judge me. That's a lie. (laughs) You're told to judge yourself. Wow. And then another portion of Scripture, you know, we are actually told to judge fellow Christians. But anyway, we'll get into that some other time. First Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 7. First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Now, this is called the love chapter. It's well known. You know, people like to, you know, put it on their refrigerators. They like to go on Pinterest and make little chalkboards out of it. And that's cute. That's good stuff. I love that. Love me a good chalkboard. But what I love more than a good chalkboard with fairy lights is I love somebody applying the word of God. It's even better. So First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. And so we're going to read. And what this is, is this is God's definition of love. Because remember earlier we talked about people have changed the definitions to words. Right? And so, especially in our culture, we've got a very skewed and twisted idea of love. We, I mean, I don't even know what everybody thinks love is, but it's a skewed and tw- they think that love means that you only you're you only tell people what they want to hear. You never tell somebody, you know, that they're wrong. You know, well, that would be hateful telling you like, hey, man, I just want you to know the scripture says this. And and uh, and I see that, you know, you've got this going on. You hate me, don't you? No, I love you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm trying to help you out. That's not hate. That's love. Oh, no, that's hate. You hate me. And then Christians fall for it. Oh, I guess I am a hater. I better not tell anybody what the Bible says anymore. And the more that we cut out what the Bible says, we are left more and more powerless. And, I mean, it's just a mess. Don't change God's definition. You leave God's definition of things alone. If you want to change different definitions of words than whatever, but don't change God's definition. That will get you in trouble. First Corinthians 13, verse 4. This is God's definition of love. What is love? Love is patient and kind. Well, I'm kind. Okay, are you patient? Look at yourself. Literally, we're talking about God's kind of love. Are you a very patient person or do you easily fly off the handle at those around you? Love is kind. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. But listen, are you a kind person or are you not? You judge yourself. Love is not jealous. Now that's, whether you realize it or not, there's a lot of jealousy that goes on in our culture. Somebody else gets a new vehicle and like, how dare they? Why would they do that? They know that we just bought a 2018, then they went out and bought a 2019. Can't believe them. Now we gotta go to 2020. Ugh! Is that what the love of God would do? How stupid is that? They just bought a new house. No, great. Now we gotta go buy one. Oh my gosh. Their kids are wearing Nikes. Now we gotta go get the Jordan 25 6-7s. Well, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I, I fell out of that game a long time ago. But, but listen, if you've all, if it just, if it eats you on the inside that somebody else actually has something better than you, you're screwed up. You are messed up, and you do not have the love of God in you. 
Thank you. I'll be back on Wednesday if you want to come back. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. It's not jealous or boastful. That's nice you guys got that, but guess what we just got? <laughs> no, that's not the love of God. It's not jealous or boastful or proud. Verse 5, or rude. Think about that. The love of God isn't rude. Now, there's a lot of things that we may do that are actually rude, and we don't consider it that. But really, if we stop and think, our rudeness could be stopping our prayers from getting answered. That's pretty bad. If you need a miracle, and it comes back to that you just simply can't treat other people nicely, that's sad. That you could miss out on an absolute miracle from heaven that God, he's got it, he's got it packaged, he's already shipped it out from heaven on its way to you, but it just can't get delivered because you are so stinking rude. That's pretty sad. That's, that's, that's messed up. That's bad. We gotta examine ourselves. It does not demand its own way. Do you have to have your way? Always? I mean, if it's not your way, then it's wrong. You don't have the love of God in you. Now, I mean, we're not talking about moral issues, right? But I'm talking about if it has to be exactly how, and you just blow up and, 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 and torch anybody that dares to do it in a way that's not yours, you don't have the love of God in your life, and I'm guessing you don't get very many prayers answered either. Now, here, here's one. It is not irritable. Now, this is out of the whole chapter, this one little phrase has been just just coming to my mind all the time for a couple of months now. That the love of God is not irritable. Now, I get it. Maybe, again, we may sometimes, you're having a bad day. I get that. But if you are a consistently cranky and irritable person, you need to deal with that. Do a checkup from the neck up, right? You need, you need to deal with that. The love of God isn't cranky and irritable and moody and, no, leave me alone. It's not like that. That is not how Jesus acted. Now Jesus was brave and bold. He could be blunt. But the love of God is not irritable and cranky, especially on a consistent basis. I get it. We all have the days and moments of being irritable, but I'm going to just highlight this and say this again. If you are on the regular basis, irritable and cranky and rude to anybody, but to your own family, to your wife, to your husband, to your children, that's not the love of God. And I bet that you don't get very many prayers answered. And then you sit there and wonder why, well, man, the word of God says this, and I just don't, we're not getting answers, we're not having this happen. It's not, it's not that hard to trace it back to. God doesn't like cranky. He doesn't like irritable and rude, right? That's, a, that's the opposite of who he is. I'm going to go forward. It keeps no record of being wronged. Do you have a super long memory of those that have wronged you? <laughs> I just, some people do, man. They're like, oh, I remember it. Like, and listen, hey, you have that right. Just don't expect to get a bunch of prayers answered. The love of God, it keeps no, Jesus had such a short memory of being wronged that people were stabbing him and slapping him and murdering him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's a very short memory of being wronged. I mean, that's like, what, five minutes? Uh, that That's nothing. And yet we have people that, oh, I remember what they did. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, I forgive them. But dear God, I will never forget it for the rest of my life. <laughs> wow. You're going you're gonna to let that person that wronged you, and maybe they did, but you're, you want to cling to your right to be angry. You want to, you, you, you put more stock in that feeling, in that mood, in that emotion than you do in the Word of God. Oh, I get it. You're the type of guy that elevates thoughts against the Word of God, against the knowledge of God. I get it now. That's what you're doing. You're elevating those thoughts against the knowledge of God when you should be capturing them and making them submit to the Word of God. All right. And so it says, verse 6, it does not rejoice about injustice. 
do you like it when somebody has something bad happen to them just because they, you know, you don't, <laughs> you see what happened to him? Oh gosh, wow. Get what he deserved, huh? Oh, well, I, I mean, I know he didn't do it, but, but did you see what happened? That's not the love of God. The love of God doesn't rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And verse 8 in the King James says, love never fails. That's what we're talking about right now. And so, as we've examined these blockages, these blockades to prayer... Maybe you're not getting answers to prayer because there's an assault from the enemy against you, which is completely winnable because you've got the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 18, right? Matthew 28, Mark 16. You've got the name of Jesus. Okay, so that's a winnable fight. So maybe that's why you're not getting some things happening. But an even greater likelihood that we aren't getting some answers is because we're not dealing with some things that we're supposed to be dealing with sin-wise Perhaps we're just so moody and emotional and double-minded that you're unstable. So, of course, you're not getting any answers to prayers. Or possibly you're not getting answers to prayers simply because you're just so mean to other people. Well, I'm not outright mean, but I just, you know, I whatever. You know, passive-aggressive, whatever you are. Listen, it's not the love of God, right? It's not the love of God. And so I am trying to help us tonight. To receive answers to our prayers. And I'm, I'm just, I'm leaving that with you. I hope that this spoke to you. I hope you've been able to examine your life a little bit. And there's a lot more things we could, that we could look into that could be blocking prayers. But these are some big ones that the Lord was speaking to me to share about tonight. And so I want Jesus to come back for a glorious church, a church not having any spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. I want him, when he comes back, he said, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on the earth? And I'm saying, Jesus, you can look right down there at Barstow and you're going to find faith. You're going to see the shield of faith, man, just shining right back at you because I believe that not only this church, but this city, we're going to see some great things happen. Well, I believe that when I see it. Step aside, brother, because you're going to see it, but it's not going to have anything to do with you. It's going to have to do with all these people that are not double-minded, that are believing and forgiving and dealing with things and fighting the good fight of faith. Who's ready to see some miracles tonight? Come on. All right. Let's stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.